get here in 20 minutes or so. Um, but well done for making it here this morning. As you might know, this is, we, this is called Vision Sunday today. Oh, look at that. Thanks, Kim. Was that you? Thanks, Kim. Cheers, man. Representing. Um, Vision Sunday. So Vision Sunday. So we do this every year, and lots of churches do this. Um, why do we do Vision Sunday? Well, there's this verse in Proverbs, and I think somebody quoted it in our prayer meeting this morning. Where, where there is no prophetic vision, the people are discouraged. Where there's no prophetic vision about the way forward for a people group, uh, you know, in, in terms of God's purposes and plans for us as a, as, a, as, a, as a church family, it can bring discouragement. We can become discouraged. In fact, actually, another translation says the people perish. It, it can actually end up dispersing that people group where there's no vision. So vision's important. But I suppose my question that I have is what kind of vision should we have? What kind of vision is the appropriate sort of vision that God would want to um, give to us? And in order to answer that question, I am just going to take you on a little, little story. And the story is actually my story over the last three years. So um, I took over the, 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 the change of, of role, effectively, just from being part of the eldership team to, to leading the eldership team and leading the leadership team here at the church back in 2019. So that's almost like that's three years ago now. And at the time, we were at the North School, um, and so that's a school over the other side of Ashford, because I'm aware that I'm speaking to a lot of people here who weren't in the church at that point in time. And so we were at the North School, and we decided there was, I remember there was a Sunday, uh, we did baptisms one Sunday when we were there, and there were 350 people in the room, and it was, it was a little bit like here last week, you, you just couldn't see any empty spaces at all. And so we decided that we were going to go to two, two meetings in, in two places. So we started a meeting here at the Riverside. We bought this building in 2017. And so we were kind of, things were going really, really, really well. Attendance was going really well. Okay, that's why I want to get out there. But also the building stuff was going really well as well. Building, the building was brilliant. So we got this building and we'd started to work. I'd been working with an architect on plans for the building. We got the building stuff sort of sorted out. And... Thirdly, cash was looking really good as well. I know it sounds this, you, I'm going somewhere with this. Cash was looking really, really good. You look to the, 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 the bank account. Oh, it's looking really good. We're able to bless other people. These things are good. So that was 2019, and then we hit March 2020. And I think it was the 22nd of March 2020, that was the marker Sunday that every church across, probably across the Western world has remembered as being the first Sunday in probably a long time, if not for 50, 60 years, where we weren't able to meet together. And we went online, didn't we? And we shifted online, and then all of a sudden, so I was like four months into the job. Thanks, God. Um, by the way, I've got a really bad cold today, so if I kind of turn around at any point in time because I'm blowing my nose, um, I won't hand you my handkerchief like Paul did. That wouldn't be a very good idea. Um, but yeah, so apologies. Um, so anyway, so I was four months into, four months into this, and, and the pandemic hit, and then you're sort of online, and you're chatting to people, other, other church leaders, other pastors, other people in our movement about how things are going in their churches. And you're hearing the stories about how we're having to lay off staff. Um, we've lost people. It, it's looking bad. And you're going, God, this is awful. I feel so sorry for these people. And at the same time, we're going, but we're not. <laughs> we took on staff. Um, we had people join us. There were people who joined our church in that time period. So even in that time period, attendance was going well. The building was going well. In fact, actually, we employed Sam Kendall to be our youth and children's pastor. Um, he started September 2017, so right in the middle of that. And for the first four months, he didn't do any of that. I taught him how to paint and decorate. And we painted the back rooms. We did the back rooms across the back of the building for our children's work. 
So we were getting the building going, the attendance was good. And even in the midst of a pandemic, we didn't have to lay off staff. In fact, actually, as I said, we took more staff on. God blessed us financially. We were able to not only do that, but bless other people. We started give a gift, that thing that we now do every Christmas. God was blessing us in those ways. And so in the midst of all these things, these three things, attendance, buildings, and cash for me were going really, really well. And I'd read all the church leadership books I could find on church growth. And, and all of them, remember what I said about success last week, have that in the back of your head on this. All of this stuff looked really good. Wow, this is really good. I, think I could maybe go, wow, things are going really well. We should be proud of ourselves. That's a really bad thing to say. But in the midst of it, I had this, like, this thing in my stomach, this kind of gnawing feeling that gradually was growing and growing. That, and I remember you know, I said to Claire a few times during this time period, I'm not sure I can do this for 20 years. If, if, if actually church is just about attendance, buildings, and cash... I'm not really sure whether I can do this job. Because I'd been taught through all these books that I'd read that a successful church looked like lots of people, a big building, and lots of money, right? Maybe you've been taught that as well, okay? Lots of, lots of people, a big building, lots of money. But it really wasn't sitting right with me at all. I'm just going to move that on. I've got a thing today. I'm really enjoying this clicker. Um, death by PowerPoint. Um, tenants, buildings, and cash. But there's this gnawing feeling in me, and I started, um, I was studying my master's in theology that I was doing at the time, and I was studying Luke's gospel, and I went all the way through Luke, and I started to encounter a Jesus who didn't seem to care about this stuff. And then I found this quote, and this quote is above my desk, and, it, and it's provocative, and it's designed to be provocative, but it provoked me. Um, it really, really did provoke me. Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples, your church is only as good as its disciples. It doesn't matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. Ow. <laughs> what an ow statement that is, right? It is good. But, but there was this, this thing in me that, that we couldn't, we couldn't, I couldn't carry on. Right? Because I don't, you know, because other people might have heard me say things I couldn't carry on and just say, well, actually, if we're going to do a Vision Sunday, it's all about attendance. Because you, you might go, oh, here we go, the pastor's going to ask us for more money. This is not what this is going to be about. I just want you to hear that, okay? I'm not going there. Because we're not about that. Attendance, buildings, and cash. You see, as, as I encountered Jesus in Luke, what I found is, is that Jesus didn't seem to care about attendance. When you read the story about him feeding the 5,000, it starts with him running away from people. In fact, they've all, he's run away from people to go and spend time with Jesus, sorry, spend time with God. Jesus has run away from everybody else, and they follow after him. His mission wasn't to try and get a crowd. He was working with a group of disciples, a small group of disciples. He wasn't interested in that. When, he, he, when he, he, he did his ministry, he didn't set up a building and invite people to come to him. He went to them. He went around preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand, demonstrating that he was the son of God. That's what he did. We're reading John at the moment. We'll be back in it next week. And you'll see Jesus journeying. He's going around preaching the good news to people. The building thing wasn't important to him. Cash. Jesus sends out the 72. You can read it in um, Luke 10. You can also read it, a parallel story in, in, in Matthew 10 as well. And when Jesus sends out the 12. And he sends them out in pairs. And, and, and when he sends out, them, them in, it, when he, sends them out he, he doesn't send them out with money. He says that they need to have faith in God that God's going to provide for them. Attendance, buildings, and cash didn't seem to matter to Jesus. He wasn't bothered about the ABC. He was actually bothered about the D, E, and F. Discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship. 
So if we're going to have a vision as a church, we cannot and we shouldn't ever form it around the A, B, and C of attendance, buildings, and cash. We need to form it around the D, the E, and the F of, de- of discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship. And it's really funny that as I started going on this journey, I realized that our actual church vision statement that we'd already set fits it. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't have to change that. We're called to love God, love one another, and go and make disciples, or love the world. So lo- go, love God, love one another, and make disciples. So we come up with this vision statement. This is like the front of the bus, the, the, the where, where we're heading as a church. Here's our vision. This is, this is kind of what we want to do as a church. We want to love God. So our, our friends at Bedford at King's Arms call this up, in, and out. And they'll put it on a triangle. And they'll say, actually, the up is loving God, the in is loving one another, and the out is going to make disciples of other people. You can talk about it that way. And it comes from these three places in Scripture. Matthew 22, 37, I quoted this last week. So Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy. And um, he, gets, he gets asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says to them, that the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We have, we have hearts devoted to God. Remember, I spoke about abiding in him last week. The second one, loving one another, because he then goes on to say, the second commandment is just like it. That's in Matthew 22, verse 39. The, the, the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and again, there's a parallel here in John where Jesus, I've, I've put the John quote up there, John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give to you, you shall love one another. And then he says, the world will know you're my disciples through the love that you have for one another. So that's why we want to love one another. We want to also then go out and make disciples of of, of all nations. And that's Matthew 28, that's the Great Commission. Jesus commands us to go out and make disciples of all nations. So look, these three things fit this, this paradigm of discipleship, evangelism and fellowship. If we're loving God, then that's just being a disciple is loving God. Uh, loving one another is what it really is, the root of fellowship. And lastly, making disciples is the heart of evangelism. And, and I, I, So just as I'm going to go through these things now, I just want to, what I've got is, is really what, what we've been working on as a leadership team here, um, and I've just kind of condensed it down, to show you that actually our vision as a church isn't going to be in something necessarily that you can see tangibly. Oh, my word, look at this, like, fantastic building, or look at how many people we've got in the building, because I'm not sure God cares about that. He cares about every single person, but he doesn't care about the number. Actually, he cares about our discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship. So our vision for discipleship, let's just talk about that first of all. So our vision for discipleship is this, that through living by the Spirit, we grow in our love for Jesus, our obedience to him, passion for his kingdom, and in our ability to make disciples of other people. So we worked through as a, as a, as a core team, um, what it looks like to be a disciple in this church, what kind of markers that we want to live by in order to create. So w- when we look at mature disciple in our family, in our church community, what does that look like? And, and it, it's marked by these things. Somebody who's living by the Spirit, first of all. So when Paul writes to the Galatians, he writes, and we went through this last year, Galatians 3, verse 3. Paul writes to the Galatians, and he says that, having started in the Spirit, why have you then gone back to the law? So the only way that we can actually walk in obedience to Jesus and grow in obedience to him and it not become law, it not become a a thing we're trying to do to earn God's approval, the only way we can do that is by the Spirit. Because the Spirit, working with us, keeps bringing us back to grace. It's a foundation of grace that enables us to follow Jesus in obedience. So we need to live by the Spirit. The Spirit is what, it's, it's his presence in our lives that teaches us to say yes to God. It's his presence in our life that teaches us how to obey Jesus. 
So through the Spirit, we want to live by the Spirit. We want to grow in our love for Jesus. You can grow in your love for Jesus. You might say, I love Jesus today. You could love Jesus even more tomorrow. Oh, Jesus, I love you more. Every day, I want to spend time with you. You can grow in your obedience to Jesus. You can. You can grow in your obedience to Jesus. Yeah, it's effort, but it's grace-filled effort. In growing passion for Jesus' kingdom, passion for his church. And also, we can all grow in our ability to make disciples of other people as well. We can all learn how to do that. And so that's our vision for discipleship. So how are we going to work that little bit out, the, the, the D of discipleship? How are we going to work that out over the next 12 months? Well, look, these are the things that we're already doing. We want to give space and time for encountering the Spirit and contending for the presence of God. So Dave was talking about this earlier on. I just want to give you this word, contend. Okay? We need to be people who contend for the Spirit of God in our meetings. Are you contending for the Spirit of God in your life? Are you saying, I'm contending for this? Or is it just something you're just sort of just expecting that might happen if you hope for it? Are you, are you contending for God's Spirit? Um, but, but also, we need to give space to it. So questions like having space at the end of meetings in this room. Not every week, because there are some weeks like today, we're not going to do a response in that way today. But, but we're hoping that more and more, there'll be after this first meeting, we'll be encouraging to move that way so that this space can be a space where people can encounter God. Obviously, we need to do a second meeting because we've got limited amount of space, but we want to encounter God together. We also have a church encounter evening because we believe that there's, we need to help people develop their gifts within our body. And so one of my greatest joys this year has been doing those encounter evenings and seeing people who don't normally bring prophetic words come and bring prophetic words. I think my favourite moment is when Craig, I can say it's because you're my mate, and Craig gets up from behind the drum kit and has a prophetic word. We want that in our meetings, right? And so we need to facilitate opportunities for people to do that. Secondly, we, we, we are looking at our, so our group structure, even our group structure fits within everything I've said. So we have three types of groups as a church. We have missional groups, that functions towards evangelism. We have um, life groups, which function really towards the idea of fellowship with one another. And then we have equipping groups, which uh, I think should be helping us to grow in our disciple making and our discipleship. So th- we're looking at how our equipping groups um, help us to create disciples, grow as disciples. And so that's something that we're doing with more intentionality. We have continued to work on our preaching and teaching so that you can apply scripture to your day-to-day life. See, we're not building the church. Jesus builds the church. We are called to build you as an individual so that you can go and carry the kingdom of God into whatever sphere of influence God's placed you in. So God's placed you in a sphere of influence, whether that's a job, whether that's your home, whether that's just your friends that you hang out with every day because maybe you don't have a job, okay? But God's given you a sphere of influence. We all have one. And we want to equip you to be able to demonstrate the kingdom in whatever sphere of influence God's given you. And we want to provide you opportunities for you to grow in the gifts that God has given you, to be able to use the gifts that God's given you. And we don't want there to be a limit to that. So we need to keep providing more and more opportunities for people to be able to use and share their gifts that God's given them with other people. So that's the first thing, that's discipleship. Second one is evangelism. So here's, here's a, a thing about our vision for evangelism. To bring renewal and transformation to our friends, our colleagues and families and all of Ashford as we demonstrate the love, power and kingdom of Jesus. So this is what we do Individually, in our day-to-day lives, we're called to uh, bring renewal and transformation to our friends, demonstrating that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Jesus sends out the 72 to do. Go and demonstrate the kingdom of God is at hand. 
We're called to go and do that in our lives. And as we do that, there will be a shift in, in, in Ashford. There will bring, it will bring cultural renewal in our town as you and I step out into our day-to-day -day lives and bring renewal just in our day-to-day -day lives with the people that we meet. But how do we plan this out? Well, as a church, I also think there are some things that we can do as a church family, and we can kind of work together. So Jesus, I've quoted this a few times. Um, I was trying to find a, a, a story to use, actually, today. I should have picked this, shouldn't I? The whole Luke, Luke 10 thing about the 72 going out. So look, you know, actually, when the 72 go out, Jesus doesn't send them out individually. He sends them out in pairs. And I think it's important that we need to know that we can fish together. You go out into your day-to-day -day life as a, as, a, as a Christian into your workplace, and you're on your own in that. But actually, the things that we can do as a church family, we can do together. And that's why this building is important. So it's important that we get the building to function for our vision, not have our, our, our building be our vision. Yeah, the building's to serve the vision that we have. So we're running Alpha. We're running a Finding Faith group this term and various missional groups. There's more missional groups than there are anything else in our church on our church group list. But if you're turning up to those just to have a good time and not inviting any non-Christians along to you, please go and invite you to think about inviting somebody along to them. They are opportunities for you to invite somebody along where there's no sort of heavy, like, gospel announcement taking place every week, but it's just an opportunity for people to get to know one another. I suppose my prayer for each of us in our church community is that you have more non-Christian friends than you have Christian friends. Because if you don't have more non-Christian friends than you have Christian friends, how is the Great Commission ever going to be fulfilled? If all we do is, is move in circles of Christians all the time, we're never going to fulfill the Great Commission. So that's why we run those missional groups. Having Jazz on our team is shaping the way we do evangelism. And so um, she's brought us this idea of red, amber, green events. So we've intentionally planned all our events across the church calendar. Red, amber, green. So red events are those where, like the quiz night, there's no gospel. It's just people coming to the building and having a laugh. It was really good fun, the last one we did. And we're doing another one, aren't we? Yeah. Amber events are where, like this is an amber event today. You can invite your friends along to this. The gospel may, uh, may be preached, but again, I'm not actually, I'm, I'm preaching from scripture and I'm teaching you today. Um, this is an amber event. But there are some Sundays and some events like baptisms. You know that if you invite a friend to a baptism, we are going to preach the gospel. That's a green event. Okay? And so we have red, amber, green events. Thirdly, we want to invest in prayer. We need to invest in prayer. You need to invest in prayer for our church. We've got some ministries that we do as a church family that are actually gaining momentum, and uh, we're seeing lots of people come to, and they are changing, I really think they're changing people's lives, and we care more about people's spiritual lives changing. ESOL. So ESOL is a course for people who don't speak English as their first language, it's their second language, and so it's a teaching course that we do. And so this week we had 24 people turn up to it. It's amazing. But we need to be praying for opportunities for the team in that environment to have opportunities to share faith as well as teach English. If you want to get involved in that, we need people to serve on it. So there you are, I'll just leave that one with you. Parent and toddler group. The last two weeks, week before last, we had 50 parents turn up and kids. This week we had 40 parents and kids turn up. So let's average that out of 45 parents. This is like people coming to the building. I turned up late to work the other day because I had something on beforehand. And I turned up and I couldn't find a car parking space in the middle of the week. That's pretty cool, isn't it? People are coming here. They're coming to this building. Now, I hope that when they come to this building, they're finding like a really nice space. But hopefully they're also encountering Christians who love Jesus. Pain management group. Pain management group has been an incredible incredible witness to people who are walking through difficult pain in their lives. Um, Give a gift we run every Christmas, I've mentioned that already, and the Riverside Cafe as well, so that continues to grow. Did you know in August we think we turned a profit? That's really cool. 
And we don't care about the money. I said that already. It's not that, that isn't important. But it just demonstrates that people are coming into our building every day. And the prayer is, is that they encounter Jesus, right? We want them to encounter Jesus together. Lastly, again, so developing the Riverside building to serve our mission. We may well outgrow this building at some point, okay? So we can't, we can't believe that the building is our vision. We may well outgrow this building. We might go, actually, do you know what? We need a second building. We need a third building because of the vision that God's given us for discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship. Okay, we can't make this our vision. But we are developing this building at this point in our journey together as a church so that it functions properly for us. And we want to equip you to share your stories with other people as well. So what I really love this morning is Michelle coming to share her story about how Jesus has done something in her life this week. That's a testimony she can share with friends at work. Actually, do you know what? I prayed and God told me to hand in my notice. People go, what, what are you doing? And, and God's given me a new job. That's a great story. We want, we want to celebrate that stuff. Okay, so lastly, fellowship. And I've got a few things I just want to say here as well. I'm hoping you're with me, yeah? I don't normally do this sort of death by PowerPoint thing. You know that. I'm normally just preach without notes and we just crack on. But today it's just kind of one of those things. So our vision for fellowship is this, that we become a joyful family. That word's really important. Where everyone is valued, honoured, and encouraged to walk into their inheritance as sons and daughters of God. We want you to come to Gateway and feel valued and honoured. doesn't matter where you might have come out of. It doesn't matter what your background is. We want you to walk through the doors here and feel valued and honoured. Now, 1 Corinthians, where it talks about um, people who haven't received honour, that they should receive special honour within the church. So I think particularly of, of those in the church who might have encountered racism outside the church doors, that when they come into this environment, that they encounter special honour. That they are honoured, because what that demonstrates is it demonstrates something to them, but it also demonstrates something to culture of what the kingdom of God really looks like. So we want to be a place of honour and encouragement to people. We want to bear with the weak and uphold them. This is a place of value, of honour and encouragement for people. That as we journey together, people grow into their inheritance as daughters and sons of God. So how are we working that vision out over the next uh, 12 months? Well, we've redefined uh, our, our cultural values, and I'm going to share that as we finish in a minute. So we had five values, five cultures. Okay, We called them our church cultures. I've just shifted that to saying there are cultural values because I think it makes a little bit more sense, and we've changed them. So they were in place before I took this rollover, and so really, we, you know, it's three years in. There are some shifts that have taken place, and we just want to recognise those. So I'll talk about those in a minute. And we, we need to live into them, so next year we'll do a preaching series on them as well. Um, secondly, we want to equip and increase diversity of those leading amongst us. So we are doing that in the background. You won't see that yet, but that is taking place. We recognise that the voices of people speaking on Sunday mornings, um, people involved in leadership roles within the church, doing different things, it needs to be as diverse as the people that we are speaking to. Does that make sense? So if you've just got all white men standing up on a Sunday morning, that is not good. Not healthy at all. If all the decisions are made, and you know this is why we've shifted our leadership model away from just like this elders only in a room making all the decisions. If all our leadership decisions are made by a group of white middle-aged men, that is not good at all. It's unhealthy. Actually, our leadership needs to be diverse and it needs to include a variety of voices within it so that we can ascertain the voice of God together, which is why we have a leadership team with elders serving within it. Okay? So... A leadership is important. We want to create an environment of diversity, and you'll notice that, and that means we need to be intentional about it, okay? Because we all matter to Jesus, but actually sometimes pe some people's voices aren't heard as much, and so we need to encourage and give them space so that their voices are heard. 
And we also want to celebrate stories of what God's doing. Thanks, Michelle. That was really, really helpful this morning because it's a really good illustration of what I'm saying. We need to celebrate. So two weeks ago, Simon came to the... It was the same prayer meeting. Simon Howard Smith in the room. Is he, he's out the back. Oh, you're out the back. So I'm going to tell you a healing story. And somebody had a word of knowledge about um, healing for a right shoulder. And um, Simon's whole shoulder was healed. That's the story of what God's doing. And we should be excited and encouraged by that. Okay, so we want to celebrate with one another what God's doing. Right, let me just talk about these as I finish then. Because I, I think this is a really nice way to round off everything that's happened this morning and all that I've said. So we want to be a church of discipleship, of evangelism and fellowship. But here's our cultural values that we want to live out. So our cultural values are just who we are and who we're becoming. They're not what we're trying to achieve. They're just who we want to be. Okay? And in doing these things, we believe that we will achieve what God set us out to do. So our cultural values. Well, we value the presence of God and we want to be present-centred as a church family. And as, as Dave said this morning, I, just, I, I do want to add that word tangible to this as well. That we know the tangible presence of God amongst us when we meet on Sunday mornings. Presence-centred. We're welcoming the Spirit of God when we meet together. Because it's by the Spirit that we grow in discipleship. It's by the Spirit that we can go and tell people about Jesus. And it's by the Spirit we grow in fellowship to one another as well. Presence-centred. We, we want to have a culture of honour as a church. That's me. We want to have a culture... A culture of honour as a church community. And I've said that already, so I won't go into that in, in huge detail again. But honour is incredibly important, how we honour one another. So if you've got a disagreement with somebody, don't send them a text message, phone them up. Honour them with a conversation. Yeah, we want to honour one another as we walk together. We want to be a place of joy. Church can sometimes be a bit boring, to be honest, or serious. We can be very serious, because it is a serious matter. We're dealing with salvation and the salvation of our souls. But do you know what? Also, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We should be able to have fun together, shouldn't we? We should be able to crack a joke every now and again. Yeah, but also, like, so, I mean, I'm disappointed slightly we weren't able to do it last Sunday, because we were going to just enjoy celebrating together 20 years of being together as a church. Not to, to build a monument to Gateway Church, but just because it was an opportunity to have some fun, Right? Yeah, and just enjoy being joyful together and look at what God has done. So we're going to do that in November. But, you know, let's be joyful together. It's, it's a good, good environment to be in. Let's, let's enjoy being together. Authenticity, the next one. Do you know, I, I think I, we need to just make sure that we move into being authentic as when we turn up to church on Sundays. The British thing is to turn up to church on a Sunday morning and somebody asks you how you do and you go, yeah, I'm fine. Turn up to church on Sunday morning and be honest with people. If you've had a rubbish week, I want to know. I do want to know because I want to pray for you and encourage you. If you've had a great week, I want to know. I don't want you just to tell me you're fine. If you've had an amazing week and God's shifted loads of stuff in your life, don't keep it to yourself. Share it. <laughs> but equally, if you've had an awful week, we want to know about it because we want to pray for you and stand with you in it. But also, you know what? If you know, I think also, if you're really struggling with something, like let's, they say, because um, I've mentioned it before, but somebody said they really struggled with coming to church because their, their language wasn't great. And so they felt they had to moderate their behaviour all the time and moderate their language. I don't care if you swear in front of me. I used to be a secondary school teacher. Like literally, there is not a word in English I haven't heard somebody say. Okay? If that's something that you struggle with, just be yourself. But I believe that as you're with us, Jesus will change you and help you by his spirit. Okay? So that's, that's what we need to be normal. We need to be authentic to, we need to be authentically who we are. And as we journey together and encounter Jesus together, he will change us. Generosity, it's been our value for a long time and it continues to be our value and it's something that we're good at. And you know what? The more generous we are, the more God will bless us so that we can be more generous. 
Okay? God doesn't give us more so that we can have more. God gives us more so that we can be more generous. And we want to be generous as a church family. So every year we've done Give a Gift, it's grown. So the first year we did it, started as a conversation in our kitchen. Claire said to me, it'd be really good if we could give some gifts to kids at Christmas who don't have anything. She's a primary school teacher. And so we ended up giving to, to 270 presents away. That was amazing. Yeah, that was generosity of the church family. Last year, it was 1,000 presents. This year, it's going to be more. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm, I'm moving out of my office so we can use it for storage. Genuinely, because that's important, right? We want to be generous. Um, lastly, oh, two things. Courageous faith. Michelle coming up this morning was courageous faith being exhibited, okay? She doesn't come up the front all the time. It's a bit nerve-wracking to do that, to stand in front of a group of people. It's courageous faith. But also, we need to have courageous faith as a church. Because as we journey on this together, discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship, we are going to face the enemy, the enemy who seeks to kill, destroy, and steal from us. Okay? And so we need to be courageous. No, we believe in these values. We believe in this. We need to be together on it. There's a courageous faith coming over this church. No, we need to contend for the Spirit. We need to be courageous about it. No, we're going to keep going after it. Courageous faith. And lastly, the last word just on here, and this is a really good place for me to finish, legacy. Legacy is not about you building a monument to yourself, but it's about you sowing into the life of somebody else. So if you're older in the church, rather than talking about the days of yore, when everything was amazing within the church and we had this charismatic revival and yada, 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 which is, I love hearing those stories, don't get me wrong, why not show and sow that into the generation below you? Spend your time and energy, not with people your own age, but people younger than you, that you might equip them in the things of God so that they can carry that on once you go and be with Jesus. Legacy is important. And it's not just important that way, it's important in every ministry that we run in the church as well. So if you're a children's worker and you decide, you know what, actually, I'm done with this now, because we, we get those points in life. Have you trained somebody up to take over from you? Is that a, are you going to leave a legacy? So we want to be a church that leaves a legacy, leaves a legacy wherever we go. We've left legacy, just going back to give a gift, in, in schools in Ashford last year, just by demonstrating the love of God. We've left a legacy there. And it's a legacy that, that hopefully will grow even more. So legacy, is, again, is going to be a cultural value for us as a church. We want to be a church that leaves a legacy. Okay, and every single one of us knows that we're called to leave a legacy in people's lives um, when, we, when we depart from this fine place. Okay, we want to leave a legacy behind. So I'm going to finish there today, but I just want to pray for us as we finish, and then I'm going to hand over to Kim, who's going to take us through our notices. All right, so are you ready? Yeah, excellent, good. Please don't read through the whole brochure like Nat did last time. Okay, cool, right, let's pray, shall we? Oh, Lord, we, just, we, we come before you today, and then... Um, Lord, would you forgive me um, where, I, I, was, uh, where I, I, I listened to the voices of, of attendance buildings and cash for such a long time. And thank you, Jesus, that you've shown me that, God, your heart for the church is discipleship, evangelism and fellowship. And, Father, we want to be a place of discipleship, evangelism and fellowship. Lord, we want people to be able to come here and know fellowship that's fun and that's enjoyable and family. We want to be a church that's radical in our evangelism, that we see people saved. And it's not just people saying a yes to you, Jesus, because that isn't the end goal of evangelism. It's people coming to faith in you and following into a, 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 a disciple-making journey where they become disciples and go out and make disciples of others. So we pray that over our church family. But also, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow as disciples. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to hear the voice of your spirit. And I pray you'd help us to live in grace. 
And Lord, as we live out grace and live in the voice of your spirit, I pray that you'd help us to grow in obedience to you and that we would walk courageously before you, Lord God, into the season ahead. So Lord, we pray this year, bless our church. Lord, I pray this time next year, I'll be able to give a similar talk, but people will be added to us, God, because we have given our hearts over to disciple making and evangelism, Lord. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would push us in this direction more and more in the year ahead. Lord, bless each one of us here, we pray. Amen. Amen. Kim.